To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Marlon Wayans, today's guest, uh, accomplished actor, comedian, writer, producer, uh, who many may know from some of the many iconic films like Don't Be a Menace, Scary Movie, White Chicks, and his time on the Wayans Brothers sitcom with other members from his super talented family three. This is just a, a really small, small sample of what he's accomplished to date, but definitely I think sets the tone for what's to come from him. And before he gives us a little more insight on that, uh, we'd love to start with our signature question. When you hear culture, bro, what does that mean to you? Um, culture is, I think, it's the importance put on the synapse created by the past and the future. So it's really what presently is relevant and how you can affect the the time, space, and energy of this moment. But you're also affected by the past and you're also affecting the future. And that to me is the culture. And it doesn't always, it's not about... Um, to me, the culture and the movements always start with the oppressed because I think they are the innovators. I think the oppressed, I think the nerds that are forward-thinking, that are bullied for being strange, but really they're actually predicting the future because they're well-read. Who knew superhero movies is going to take over our industry? We didn't. The nerds did. Who knew, right? Who knew that these books, these Harry Potters and all these books that, that, that wound up being huge movies and television shows was going to be such a huge part of the culture. That's some futuristic thinking because they did what they used to do back in the day, which is read. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you think about black people who were able to take their pain and turn it into art and create music and create songs and, 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 and create great films and books and things based on oppression that squeezed it out of us, which now more oppression built, made hip hop happen, you know, and the culture is created through the pain of the oppressors. That's makes for the culture, and that's why it comes from such a great place. I, I love where you say culture is made from the pain. It, it's such a powerful statement in itself. Um, and you know, one of the things that I didn't mention in the intro is that we actually had the opportunity to attend the same high school, the illustrious Guardia High School, LAG Performing Arts, but LAGV for life, where. Um, you were a drama major, I was an art major, and I can honestly say that you've remained the same over the years. And when many would have thought that given, you know, your family background, it would be easy for you to be the better than thou asshole, right? And you've always been the complete opposite and been someone who I think is a great example of this culture of building family and community, you know, given some of the things I've witnessed from high school to date. Talk about being a member 
of the Wayans family magic and the building your own lane within that with some of the best mentors and I think examples around a regular basis. You know, I, I grew up way too poor to not be grounded. I was grounded the majority of my life, 17 years of my life spent in the projects in New York City. You know, before we was a famous family, we was a bunch of niggas. And That's there's a bunch of smart niggas that stayed out of trouble. And all glory to first and foremost, God, who gifted me with my parents, who gifted us with a great work work ethic and great sensibilities and um, uh, just a sense of what really is supposed to be prioritized in life, which is family, friendship, Ooh. love, all these other things that, you know, we aspire for don't mean anything. You know, it doesn't mean anything if you're a great actor and you're an asshole. If you're a great producer and you're a dick. If you're a great uh, stand-up comedian and people hate you when you're off stage. Right. You know, before I'm any of those, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a father. I'm a cousin. And I'm a friend. Those roles in life really should dictate who you are in terms of your business. And if you stay grounded in that and just know that working toward the betterment of those five areas in your life, you, you can't help but remain grounded. That's all that's important to me. Now I fly yeah. first. I, I see it in your walk. And I, I look at your brother, you know, Keenan Ivory Wayans, for me, was probably the first real example of someone who literally put his family on. I mean, like literally, and in a position to thrive. W was this very intentional back in the day, or, or was this something that just kind of happened with the blossoming of all your respective kind of careers? I think Keenan had a vision. I think he saw something. I think that uh, he knew him being the second oldest, and the oldest brother was, you know, getting into trouble. And he knew that if he could just make it, that we would all follow. And so he made it a point to make it. And then he, you know, created this olive branch in which we all crawled on and we just kind of learned the industry. It's those that want to do it, come do it. And me, Sean, Kim, Damon, we was all interested. And Keenan always had lessons for us. And. I remember being a kid and Keenan making us watch Kentucky Fried Movie as he went to the clubs in the 80s with no drawers on because he knew he was going to get some vagina. And uh, we'd watch those movies at his house and he'd come back and be like, what y'all like? What was funny about it? How would you make it funnier? And we would tell him. And I think he knew then. We was like 10, 8, 7 years old. My brother Damon taking us to comedy clubs to watch him Create great stand-up, right? It some things are you can't write. Right. God God wrote that story and you know, and and if you think about it, what my brother taught me and Sean, now I have their kids under my belt. And these right. niggas got a lot of kids. You know, Damon's kids and Keenan's kids and Deidre's kids and and my kids and Sean's kids, like, I have to be an example for them. And I got to create that next wave and that next generation. 
which to me is going to even be even as bigger than the generation we came from because there's only five of us. There's literally 17 kids in my family that's going to be doing so. I love it. You, you know, you talk about this next generation and you talk about the evolution. I think one of the most beautiful things for me in looking at your journey was the family that I literally witnessed you build outside of your Wayne's family in the hallways of LaGuardia with Omar and Mitch, right? And yeah. then for anyone who went to school with us, I mean, they can attest to the fact that you three were always tight then and that moved into adulthood, right? With Absolutely. really excelling in your respective areas of excellence while still kind of working together and, and supporting each other. Was there a bit of your brother's blueprint that you kind of took in shaping this type of bond and brotherhood? Well, I think, see, my brothers had younger brothers and sisters and siblings. And I, by the time I came along, I had an empty house. All my brothers was grown. I had a nephew, Craig, who is like Mitch and Omar, what put all, you know, there, he works with me closely. Like now he's a producer on my, my special that I got coming out on called Good to Grief. And he's written and produced with us before and he on the road with me and we're writing a few movies and you know, so yeah, I my brothers always had lessons for me and I just told my other brothers, Omar and Mitchell, what we need to do. And mm -hmm. so I was like the older brother of the three of us. And um so I just applied that to them. And I was just like, you know, we all gonna dream together and we all gotta come up together. And it was important to me. I mean, Omar was going to do his thing. You know, he was, a, you know, actor like myself. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he was he was the dark skin uh, leading man. And I was the funny, skinny uh, comedy relief. And so we just came up together like that, like differently. We never really competed for roles because we just did things different. And then Mitch was like our best friend who was a good actor as well but you know it, it he wasn't getting as many roles and you know making him a writer was important to me and so to see him do well and to see him thriving uh, now he works outside of me without me you know he's in the, right. the writer's community he's on uh mike Epps show and you know all the bt awards and it works and nothing warms my heart more than to see that man be able to feed his family and um you know so i i think it yeah it was a mission of mine um but you know we all had the talent we just had to do the work that's right and, and, and speaking of talent i think your your comedy has always been known for kind of pushing boundaries what, what kind of what, what's inspired you to be so fearless in your humor in particular i don't know it's just i think instincts just knowing God, like, oh, that's funny, say it. Like, I don't worry about what's trouble because my intention isn't to hurt people's feelings. That's right. My intention's not to punch down. My intention's to make you laugh and feel relief with all the mess that's going on with the world. When you leave my show, I spend more time talking about me than I do you. I'm not right. there to shit on people i'm there to relieve you i like i said like jokes on me most of the shows you come to this is gonna be a modeling show unless you screaming and begging for me to bash your ass which i will right 
you're begging for attention, you're going to get it and you're going to like it. Right. Well, for the most part, I just want to do my show. Come enjoy, come laugh, joke's on me. Well, you're sharing your gift. I think when you started this answer, you talked about, I'm just doing what God put in me. And you're doing yeah. it from a the, you're, you're doing it from a place of sharing the gift that he's put in you. And I'm so glad that you're tapping into it, especially from that lens on how you then distribute it. Because then it's a truly unfiltered expression, right? It because is. It's, it's, yeah, it's a gift. Because I trust it. Because yeah. God, I'm not writing it. Inspiration is writing it. And inspiration is only God. That's my close relationship with, with God. I hear him say this, son. Okay, I'm going to say that. That works. And that sounds crazy. But I'm just aligned like that. Like, I trust that when it comes out of my mouth, I trust my goodness. I trust my instincts. And I trust the math of what I'm putting together. And I'm going to make people laugh. With this. Well, and, and I do. It's hard to cancel somebody has been here for 30 something years, right? I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to tell a joke. I don't care how sensitive y'all get. And even if you ever cancel me, that's going to be probably like a couple of thousand people. Everybody else is going to come to the show. Like, I'm sorry. Those call sensitive ass people. Yeah. I know how to tell a joke. I know, how to, I know how to do it. When you do white chicks, we know what we're doing. Right. When we do a movie, white chicks, that could have been a, all kinds of mess. Don't be a menace. We do lampooning to make fun of ourselves and others. You know, that's just what we do. We do it well. Yeah, and you know, your career has seen, I think, success in, in so many different forms of entertainment from stand-up, as we're talking about acting and producing in some of these cells. How do you balance these kind of different aspects and, and how does each kind of contribute to your overall artistic expression? I think... It's not that I balance it. I just work hard. Yeah. Every day. Like, right? Tonight. No, normally, every weekend, I'm on the road doing stand-up. Yeah. I just filmed the special, so now I got to think about what my next set is. I go back on the road in 10 days with a brand new hour. We, we attempting a brand new hour. Because I retired the material after I do a special. But in the meantime... I'm in negotiation for a movie. Once that movie happens, I'll spend two, three months on that movie. And then on the weekends, I'll be doing stand-up. But then there's movies done, and I got three or four TV projects I'm working on. It's just when it comes up, right? That's right. what gets the attention. You're like a chef in the in the kitchen cooking different meals. Taste that soup. Soup's ready. Oh, this gazpacho's almost done. Uh, what about the salad? Let's wait for a little while for the salad. What's the the, the roast doing? I put that in the oven. Let me taste that chicken over there. You 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 just start cooking ever, several things at one time, and then once it's done, you put you plate that and you make room for dessert. Right. So so what's the process of once we go through that filter of taste and everything? So like comes back to you, your roast be is real dry. Thank what's God. breakfast? What's he saying? What you mean? What's my, my, I don't believe in nothing dry. I taste. I cook it to perfection. I love that. Now you can add some seasoning if you want to, but I cook mine to perfection. I don't nothing. You ain't gonna get my souffle with a raw middle. It's gonna be perfectly done. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Now thank you for the notes, but I'm gonna do this this way. I want you to receive it. Enjoy that. And then you go. But now that I ate, what's next? Breakfast. Got another meal for you. Got another meal. It don't stop. 
You know, in, in, you know, I look at comedy and, and often it serves as a means, I think, to address uh, a lot of social issues. I think comedians like yourself are some of the smartest people in the world, especially with dealing with some of the topics and challenging stereotypes and provoking thought. H how do you see your comedy contributing, though, to the important conversations and making a difference in society? Um, it's just, I think laughter eases tension. If you can laugh about it, we, we may not be on the same team. I got a room full of Democrats and a room full of Republicans. And I cracked the right joke. And the Republicans laughed and the Democrats laughed. What we did was we took that divide and we eliminated it. Eliminated it. And now we're all laughing collectively. We found we, because we found the commonality. Even if we disagree, we both agree on the point of view and what was funny about it, right? Mm -hmm. Bunch of black people, bunch of white people. I find the right joke. I don't care if it's about black people. Everybody's laughing, including the black people and the white people. I found the right joke. I That's do right. the right white joke. White people are laughing. Black people are laughing. Now I talked about race, and I brought everybody together with a laugh. And I think we were able to do that with society, right? I think if you look at, like, Don't Be a Menace, we took hood movies and took the violence out of them. Mm-hmm. And took the danger out of them was like, what's funny about them, right? Because there's things to laugh about, not just cry about. When it, that comes with poverty, that comes with violence, that comes with everything. You know, there's always something funny. You know, I think um, if you look at like, if you look at um, Men on Films on Living Color, mm -hmm. the first time we had gays in our living room that part and those two guys we probably knew at work we probably knew in the streets we probably had friends of our family that was like that but it wasn't until they were inside of our home and they were doing hated it did you start laughing and welcomed them into your living room which mm -hmm. made you feel good when you seen them outside of your house like hey what's up man it's right so laughter deserves a lot more credit than it gets. And I think that's what's wrong with today's generation. They're not laughing enough. Hollywood's stopped making comedies. Everybody thinks people are sensitive. And what's happening is there's a false narrative being constructed and it's making our society depressed. It's mm -hmm. making us crazy. And we gotta get back to learning to laugh. No, you it's have important. responsibility. You have such a responsibility. I'm so glad that you put it in that context. Um, and, and your gift is needed for so many reasons, but on a big level, like it can be a big part of the change of our dynamic, right? Like, laughter, bro. So, wow. It's a heavier burden on your shoulder than I even thought before. Um, and I'm so glad that you are aware and you're accepting this, I don't want to call it challenge, but this responsibility that God's put you in position to be one of the people that we need, bro, to continue. Absolutely. And the thing is, they got to let the studios, the people with the checks, the people that are in charge of um, distributing the comedy, we have to let them know how desperate we are for it. Did the comedies hit those theaters? Y'all got to go support. When they come on TV, you got to watch them because they're convinced that comedy is not needed. And I'm always going to be a, uh, a, 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 an advocate for other advocate for, for comedy period yeah no, no 
And, you know, you're, you're talking about something around, you know, the, the powers that be and you talk about ownership. I feel like you had an early understanding of the importance of black ownership with all that your family was doing with creating programs and platforms. In their Man, we honestly, I'll be honest, we haven't owned enough. We've owned pieces of stuff. We haven't owned enough. I'm really on this kick of ownership right now. Please. Like. I look at what Tyler Perry's done, and I applaud that brother for that. You know what I mean? That's tough to do. It's just bet, basically you got to bet on yourself. And I'm at this point now where I'm betting on myself. You know, my last two, three specials, I own them. Mm-hmm. After the out of pocket, I own my specials. Why? Because I'm going to build a catalog. And then I own half of three of my movies, right? So I'm going to start. That's important to me, that I believe in myself. And at the end of the day... I'm creating a library. I'm not just doing movies and giving away my life. And, you know, you have to be smart about your business and construct it. Some movies is for them. They pay you enough. You're like, oh, we could have that. They don't. You go, no, I need more ownership. I believe in this. Ownership and equity is is your new big thing. Absolutely. For sure. So let me, what advice would you give, you know, aspiring comedians or entertainers who are looking to kind of break in to this industry, right? And and not only just break in, but make a lasting cultural impact, which I think you have a history of. You have to log your hours, man. It's about the hard work. If you have 24 hours in a day and you ain't spending 18 of them trying to break through in this industry, whether that's five hours on the stage, five hours writing, and five hours doing research, and one hour rest before you sleep, those six hours, then you ain't trying to do this. Right, right. Put in the work. to do it. Dedication. I don't sleep much. But what I do, I'm dreaming about what I'm going to write when I wake up. Like you're talking to somebody that does stand-up, that writes his own stand-up. I don't have writers. I write my own stand-up. I write my own movies. I work with some writers, but I'm developing my own movies, right? Mm. My TV shows I'm producing, like I work all the time. And take me as business meetings and work out and get my body in shape when I have to do a movie. There's no excuses. Get your ass on the stage. Stop telling me about your obstacles. Get it done. That's you right. want to learn how to do something? Read. How do I write a script? There's hundreds of books on writing a script. Read them. And then sit your ass down and write a script. That's right. Do the work. You talk about the power of laughter. And like I said, you'd be even enlightened me on just how impactful it is. I, I think within all the areas of entertainment that you've excelled and worked in within over the years, and the partic- was there ever a particular moment though when you realized just how big and instrumental black culture was to kind of shaping and influencing the global landscape as we know it? Like, so in addition to that laughter piece, was there a moment where you saw, oh, hold up, we really, can, we really shifted some things or we can ship some things? I think it was, it, it happens repeatedly. It's not mm-hmm. one time. It's okay. repeatedly, especially in our career. Um, it happened with I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. It happened with Living Color. It happened again with Don't Be a Menace. It happened again with Scary Movie. It happened again with White Chicks. It, it's happening again with my stand-up. It always influences the culture. The mm-hmm. culture is what grabs onto it and the culture informs everybody else like yo this shit is hot 
y'all mm-hmm. need to do this because the culture is the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. And they love our comedy, they love our stuff because we were always um, consistent with our messages and we're consistent with the caliber of comedy that we bring. Mm-hmm. The culture loves it. What, what do you want to be recognized for when you look back at your career and the mark you intended to leave on the world? Uh, I don't know, man. It's too busy working to think about what what people are going to think of me. I, I just want... I want people, when they see a comedy, I want them to laugh their ass off. They see some stand-up, laugh their ass off. Hope some of my stand-up heals some of the problems that they're going through. If not... If it didn't change their life, I hope it changes their mood. I hope that if I did a drama or I do characters, whatever I do, I'm believable mm-hmm. and viable as that. I want to be a star that's never been seen. I want to be as accepted comedically as I am dramatically. And I just want the audience to be like, yo, whatever he does, I'm in. Because I'm an artist. I'm not just a comedian. I'm I'm a writer, producer, actor, comedian stand-up comedian great dramatic actor i do characters i do it all i just want people to be like yo that dude whatever he did i i would i always believed him and i always he oh i always um i always bought into it he was that good that was drama comedy he's just that good whatever he wants and I want studios to be like, whatever I want to do, just trust what I want to do. I'm going to make you money. I'm an artist. I know what I'm doing. No, I think, you know, one of the many proud moments that I've already spoken to regarding you, but I think there was a couple when, to your point, you took some dramatic um, roles. I think, was it was Bel-Air? Which is the one where you were the father? Bel-Air. Bel-Air. Dog, I got to tell you, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go over, B. This is a comedian. He, this is, and I was like, yo, he really embodied this dramatic character. And you know why? Because I learned dramatic skills. Before I started doing comedy, I was a dramatic actor. I've been doing dramatic acting since the third grade. First grade. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I was always doing the plays. I was an Oliver Twist. I was Peter Pan and Peter Pan. I was Mr. Bumble and Oliver Twist because I turned Oliver Twist down because I felt it was degrading as a black man to play Oliver Twist in the fourth grade. Right. I was like, no, nah, I'll play Mr. Mr. Bumble. I'll play the I'll play the villain. I'm not gonna and they begged me. I was like, no, I don't want to be begging and I don't want to be wearing tattered clothes. I turned down the fourth grade. Right? And then when I got to high school, the high school that we went to, I learned the art of dramatic the, the art of dramatic arts. That's what I did. Comedy was just something I was born into. But drama is something that I trained in. And then I trained in how to be a writer. Then I trained in how to be a producer. Then I trained in how to be a stand-up. And now I have these five different skill sets all about having to do with one skill set. I'm going to kill these people. They don't even know what's going on. I'm, I'm, they say you log 10,000 hours to be great at something. I've logged 50,000 hours. That part. You know, that, that as I think about it, I look back to even the high school days. Like, dog, you were doing stand-up in the hallways with the clowning that you did on a daily basis. Absolutely. Listen, you had a joke for everyone at every point. Yeah. So now... 
It's just the way I see the world. No, it is. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a lightness that you bring. Um, and it's a, it's a necessary joy that you bring. Like literally anytime I see you, it's always like this joy of just light, fun, comedic, keeping it 100. Like it's always been that case. And you, and you take that with you into these projects and I feel it and I see it paused. But, but, but listen, <laughs> the, the opening scene to your life documentary is about to begin, right? What's the song that's playing and why? Paul, probably Frank Sinatra, My Way. Mm, okay. Why? Because I'm doing it every which way I can, only to get to do it to my way. And eventually, over time, even though I'm going through all these different things, it all winds up that I'm doing it my way. Whatever God has written for me, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to enjoy every experience I've ever gotten into, even the bad ones. And I'm going to do things my way because it's going to be earned because I'm going to respect from my comrades, people in the industry, uh, investors, to know that my intention and and know that I have a very interesting skill set. And if you bet, and we all bet together. Don't hedge your bet. We're going to make some money together because I know what I'm doing. My audience loves me and I love them. And we connect in ways that y'all will never understand. And I don't care if it's a movie. I don't care if it's TV. I don't care if it's brands because that's the next level. It's letting these brands know, hey, man, give me a dishwashing liquid. Give me your lotion. Give me your cell phone. I'm going to sell the hell out of it because I'm an audience. When I was at Nike, I think you reached out to me. It was like, yo, dog, what can I do? How can we make something happen over there? And I was kind of yeah. like different situations. You're right. Yeah. But one day they're going to call me or there'll be another sne uh, sneaker on the market that they're going to wish that they was like, damn, I should have invested in that. Whether you, they want to or not, they were smart. They've come find me. I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time. I'm staying young for a reason. Mm. I'm 51. I still look. In my 30s. That's right. And when I'm shaving down, I could possibly touch 29. Like, for real. And I'm staying young because I feel like I have so much more to do and God's not aging me. That's because right. He wants me to stay right where I'm at because I got a nice 20-year run to be the dopest superstar that's been created. And so I'm staying young because I'm going to get these brands. I'm going to get all this stuff. Everything's everything, everything I want. And I know how much I want. I know what I'm going to do. And if God has me living and breathing, it's going to happen. I love it. So, you know, we off, we end this conversation with uh, the analogy of what three seeds would you want to leave with the stewards of culture moving forward? So it's that of, you know, the farming culture, planting a seed, nurturing it, watering it. What are three things that you would say, look, here are the things that I would share with this next generation so that they can continue to shape and mold this thing that we've created with great intention and care. The seed of hard work, that knowing that that is your greatest asset. Hard work is the greatest talent you could ever have because those that aren't talented in something, if you do the hard work, you can become masterful in something you was terrible at. I don't care if it's piano. I don't care if it's 
uh, football. I don't care if it's basketball. Whatever you put your energy into, you're willing to work your ass off for it, you're going to make it happen. So mm-hmm. hard work is the necessity. Um, and 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 also, I would say, um, determination and creativity. Plant that seed. Mm-hmm. Because determination takes you to not do things in um, a conventional way Ooh. that determine people learn to create their opportunities that you don't wait on opportunities. And la- I laugh when I hear about actors waiting on audition. Next, Nick, I could have wrote six movies while you waiting on these auditions. That's right. Go ahead. And now, meanwhile, when those auditions come to me, I go off one if I like it, but if not, I want a stage. If not, I'm writing something. Why am I going to sit there and wait on Hollywood to open up a door for me when I could put a detonator on that door and blow it wide open and put me and my family on and bring us through? I create opportunities. Give me a, I will kick a hole in the wall before I wait for a door to be open. And the last one, I would say... Uh, the other seed is the seed of uh, creating opportunities that create opportunities for those that's willing to do the work. Yep. You don't put every family member on. No, it's right. You can't take everybody with you. Put the family members on that's willing to do the work. You can't take everybody with you. When they start getting heavy, and they start dragging you down, you got to cut some people off because you need helium balloons too. You can't make it to the heavens with a bunch of helium, with a bunch of sandbags on you. Mm. So surround yourself with people that inspire you to reach new levels and lighthearted people that are like-minded and have the same goal or bigger goals than you. Yeah, well, you're obviously an example of these three things. I'm glad you shared the ones that you did um, because it's so essential for all of us, I think, to grow uh, into the spaces that we need to grow and take this culture to where it needs to go. I'm going to give you one last, one last seed. Please. It, it, it's the seed of recreation. Recreation. You have to evolve as an artist. You have to evolve as a person. You have to break yourself down in order to build yourself up. When you learn and you master something, find something you're ignorant in and don't know anything and work your way back up to mastery on that level. In order to be great, you got to be a force of nature. Michael Jordan was a force of nature. He got better every year he was in the league. And even when his body gave out, he was still putting up crazy numbers because he started out as a guy that could dump with great athletic abilities. And then he learned the art of shooting the the, the, the set shot. And then from there, they started double teaming, triple teaming him. He started trusting his players and his assist got up and he started winning more and then they started crowding him and they was like we're not going to give we're going to give him the three point 
and he started, started shooting, you know, crazy numbers at the three-point line, 40%, shot eight in one game. Now he's a three-point threat. Then he's all defensive. He's stealing. He's running those pass lanes. Now he can dunk. He's stealing. He can pass. How do I stop this guy? What do I do? I foul him. And now you foul me. I was a 70% free throw shooter, and now I become an 85% free throw shooter. So now I'm scoring more points because you're scared of me. Mm. And then once you do that, how do I stop him? How do I get him out the league? I, I get him on – I go to the Wizards. I make $10 million. They snatch my ownership away, and what do I do? I go Bob the, Bob, the Bobcats. Michael Jordan is the, the epitome of evolution. And that's what I want to be when it comes to my artistry. I want to be the Mike Jordan of this thing we call comedy. Well, listen, I'm going to be praying for you on that, that God continues to fuel you in a way of continued evolution. Even if you don't, and I wind up being Scottie Pippen, I'll be fine. Or LeBron, Kobe. I'm in the conversation. That's all right. I just want to be in the conversation. I love it. Bro, I can't thank you enough for this time. I can't thank you enough for your energy, your friendship. Always, um, brother. Your advocacy. I'm so proud of you. Again, I'm proud of the human that you are. Forget about the success. Um, the human that you are, who's always been welcoming, open doors for my daughter, um, have done many things, and I thank you and I love you, bro. I love you too, my brother. Okay. Keep killing them. All right? We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.